Simon's Papa by Gayatri Mopasan Noon had just struck. The school door opened and the youngsters streamed out tumbling over one another in their haste to get out quickly. But instead of promptly dispersing and going home to dinner as was their daily wont, they stopped a few places off, broke up into knots and set to whispering. The fact was that that morning Simon the son of La Blochon had for the first time attended school They had all of them in their families heard of him and although in public she was welcome enough the mothers among themselves treated her with compassion of somewhat disdainful kind which the children had caught without in the least knowing why As for Simon himself they did not know him for he never went abroad and did not play around with them through the streets of the village or along the banks of the river so they loved him but little and it was with a certain delight mingled and astonishment that they gathered in groups this morning repeating to each other the sentence concocted by a lad of 14 or 15 who appeared to know all about it so sagely did he wink you know simon well he has no papa la blechant's son appeared in his turn upon the threshold of the school he was 7 or 8 years old rather pale very neat with a timid and almost awkward manner he was making his way back to his mother's house when the various group of his schoolfellows perpetually whispering and watching him with the mischievous and heartless eye of the children bent upon playing a nasty trick gradually surrounded him and ended by enclosing all together there he stood amid them surprised and embarrassed not understanding what they were going to do with him but the lad who had brought the news puffed up with the success he had met with demanded what do you call yourself he answered simon simon what simon the lad shouted at him you must be named simon something that is not a name simon indeed and he on the brink of tears replied for the third time i am named simon the urchins began laughing the lad triumphantly lifted up his voice you can see plainly that he has no papa a deep silence ensued the children were dumbfounded by this extraordinary impossibly monstrous thing a boy who had not a papa they looked upon him as a phenomenon an unnatural being and they felt rising in them the hair to inexplicable inexplicable pity of their mothers for lablachon as for simon he had propped himself against a tree 
to avoid falling and he stood there as if paralyzed by an irreparable disaster. He sought to explain, but he could think of no answer for them, no way to deny this horrible charge that he had no papa. At last he shouted at them quite recklessly, Yes, I have one. Where is he? demanded the boy. Simon was silent. He did not know. The children shrieked tremendously excited. These son of toil, nearly related to animals, experience the cruel craving which makes the fowls of a farmyard destroy one of their own kind as soon as it is wounded. Simon suddenly spied a little neighbor, the son of a widow, whom he had always seen as he himself was to be seen, quite alone with his mother. And no more have you? No more have you a papa? Yes, I have one. Where is he? He is dead. He is in the cemetery, is my papa. A murmur of approval rose amid the scrape graces as if the in fact of possessing a papa dead in a cemetery made their comrade big enough to crush the other one which had no papa at all. And these rogues, whose father were for the most part evildoers, drunkards, thieves and ill-treaters of their wife, hustled each other as they pressed closer and closer to Simon as though the legitimate ones would stifle their pressure or who was beyond the law. The lad next Simon suddenly put his tongue out at him with a waggish air and shouted at him, No papa, no papa. Simon seized him by the hair with both hands and set to work to demolish his legs with kicks while he bit his cheek ferociously. A tremendous struggle ensued between the two boys and Simon found himself beaten, torn, bruised, rolled on the ground in the middle of the ring of applauding little vagabonds. As he rose, mechanically brushing his little blouse all covered with dust with his hand, someone shouted at him, Go and tell your papa! He then felt a great sinking in his heart. They were stronger than he. They had beaten him. He had no answer to give him, for he knew it was true that he had no papa. Full of pride, he tried for some moments to struggle against the tears which were suffocating him. He had a choking fit. And then, without cries, he began to weep with great sobs which shook him instantly. Then a ferocious joy broke among his enemies, and just like savages in fearful festivals, they took one another by the hand and danced in a circle about him as they repeated in refrain, No Papa! No Papa! But suddenly Simon Cree ceased sobbing. Frenzy overtook him. There were stones under his feet. He picked them up with all his strength, hurled them at his 
tormentors two or three were stuck and ran away yelling and so formidable did he appear that the rest became panic-stricken cowards like a jeering crowd in the presence of an expas- exasperated man they broke up and fled left alone the little thing without a father set of running towards the field for a recollection had been awakened which nerved his soul to a great determination he made up his mind to drown himself in the river he remembered in fact that 8 days ago a poor devil who begged for his livelihood had thrown himself into the water because he had no more money Simon had been there where they finished him out and the sight of the fellow who had seemed to him so miserable and ugly had then impressed him his pale cheeks his long drenched beard and his open eyes being full of calm the bystanders had said he is dead he's quite happy now So Simon wished to drown himself also because he had no father just as the rest being did who had no money He reached at the water watched it flowing some fishes were risking were rising briskly in the clear stream and occasionally made made little leaps and caught the flies on the surface He stopped crying in order to watch them for their feeding interested him vastly but at the intervals as in the lulls of a tempest when tremendous gusts of wind snap off trees and die away this thought would return to him with intense pain i am about to drown myself because i have no papa It was very warm and fine weather. The pleasant sunshine warmed the grass. A little frog leaped from under his feet. He endeavored to catch it as it escaped him. He pursued it and lost it three times following. At last he caught it by one of his hind legs and began to laugh as it saw the efforts of creature made to escape. suddenly he thought of his home and his mother and overcome by great sorrow he again began to weep his lips trembled and he placed himself on his knees and said his prayers as before going to the bed but he was unable to finish them for such hurried and violent sobs overtook him that he was completely overwhelmed He thought no more he no longer heeded anything around him but was wholly given up to tears Suddenly a heavy hand placed upon his shoulder and a rough voice asked him What is it that causes you so much grief my fine fellow Simon turned around A tall workman with a black beard and hair all curled was staring at him good-naturedly. He answered with his eyes and throat full of tears. They have beaten me because I have no papa. No papa. What? Why? 
everybody has one but i i have none then the workman became serious he had recognized lablachon's son and although a recent arrival to the neighborhood he had a vague idea of her history well console yourself my boy and come with me home to your mother she will give you a papa so they started on the way the big one holding the little one by the hand the man smiled afresh for he was not sorry to see this plushon who were by popular report was one of the prettiest girl in the countryside and he said to himself at the bottom of his heart that alas who had erred once might very well err again they arrived in front of a very neat little white house there it is and he cried mama a woman appeared and the workman instantly left off smiling for he at once perceived that there was no more fooling to be done with the tall pale girl who stood austerely at a door as though to depend from one man the threshold of that house where she had already been betrayed by another see madam i have brought you back your little boy who had lost himself near the river but simon flung his arms around his mother's neck and told her as he began to cry no mama i wished to drown myself because the others had beaten me they had beaten me because i have no papa a burning redness covered the young woman's cheeks and hurt to the quick She embraced her child passionately while the tears coursed down her face. The man, much loved, stood there, not knowing how to get away. But Simon suddenly ran to him and said, "Will you be my papa?" A deep silence ensued. La Blachon, dumb and tortured with the shame, leaned against the wall her hands upon her heart the child seeing that no answer was made him replied if you do not wish it i i shall return to drown myself the workman took the matter as a jest and answered laughing why yes i i wish it certainly what is your name then so that i may tell the others when they wish to know your name philip answered the man simon was silent a moment so that he might get the name well into his memory then he stretched out his arms quite consoled and said well then philip you are my papa the workman lifting him from the ground kissed him hastily on both cheeks and then strode away quickly when the child returned to school next day he was received with spiteful laugh and at the end of school when the lads were on the point of recommencing simon threw these words at their heads as he would have done a stone he is named philip my papa yells of delight burst out from all sides 
Philip who? Philip what? What on earth is Philip? Where did you pick up your Philip? Simon answered nothing, and immovable in faith, he defied them with his eye, ready to be martyred rather than fly before them. The schoolmaster came to his rescue and he returned home to his mother. For a space of three months, the tall workman, Philip, frequently passed by La Blachon's house and sometimes made bold to speak to her when he saw her sewing near the window. She answered him civilly, always sedately, never joking with him nor permitting him to enter her house, notwithstanding this being, like all men, a bit of a coxcomb. He imagined that she was often rosier than usual when she chatted with him. But a fallen reputation is so difficult to recover and always remains so fragile that in spite of this shy reserve La Blachant maintained, they already gossiped in the neighborhood. As for Simon, he loved his new papa much and walked with him nearly every evening when the day's work was done. He went regularly to school and mixed in a dignified way with his schoolfellows without even answering them back. One day, however, the lad who had first attacked him said to him, You have lied. You have not a papa named Philip. Why do you say that? The youth rubbed his hands. He replied, Because if you had one, he would be your mama's husband. Simon was confused by the truth of this reasoning. He is my papa. All the same. That can very well be. But this is not being your papa altogether. La Blachon's little one bowed his head and went off dreaming in that direction of forge, belonging to the old horizon where Philip worked. This forge was entombed in trees. It was very dark there, and the red glare of formidable furnace along lit up with great flashes. Five blacksmiths who hammered upon their anvils with a terrible din. Simon entered without being noticed and quietly plucked his friend by the sleeve. Philip turned around. All at once the work came to a standstill and the men looked on very attentively. Philip, explain to me what the lad at La Michan had just told me that you are not altogether my papa. And why that? asked the smith. Because you are not my mama's husband. No one laughed. Philip remained standing, leaning his forehead upon the back of his great hands, which held the handle of his hammer upright upon the anvil. He mused. His four companions watched him and like tiny might among these giants, Simon anxiously waited. Suddenly one of the smiths said, All the same, La Blouchon is a good and honest girl, stalwart and steady in spite of her misfortune, and one who would make a worthy wife for an honest man. That is true, remarked the three others. Is it the girl's fault that if she has fallen? She had been promised marriage 
and I know more than one who is much respected today and has sinned every bit as much. That is true, the others said. How hard she has toiled, poor thing, to educate her lad all alone and how much she has wept since she no longer goes out save to church. God only knows. That is also true, said the others. Then no more was heard save the roar of the bellows which fanned. Philip bent himself down to Simon. Go and tell your mama that I shall come to speak to her. Then he pushed the child out of by the shoulders. He returned to his work and in unison the five hammers again fell upon their anvils. The sky was full of stars as he knocked at La Brichan's door. He had his Sunday blouse on, a fresh shirt, and his beard was trimmed. The young woman showed herself upon the threshold and said in a grief tone, It is ill to come thus when night has fallen, Mr. Philip. He wished to answer but stammered and stood confused before her. She said again, And you understand quite well that it will not do that I should be talked about any more. Then he said all at once, What does that matter to me? If you will be my wife? No voice replied to him, but he believed that he heard in the shadow of the room the sound of a body falling. He entered very quickly, and Simon, who had gone to his bed, distinguished the sound of a kiss and some words that his mother said very softly. Then he suddenly found himself lifted up by the hands of his friend, who, holding him at the length of his Herculean arm, explained to him, You will tell your schoolfellows that your papa is Philip Remy, the blacksmith and that he will pull the ears of all who do you any harm. On the morrow, when the school was full and lessons about to begin, little Simon stood up quite pale with trembling lips. My papa is Philip Remy, the blacksmith, and he has promised to box the ears of all who do me any harm. This time, no one laughed any longer, for he was very well known was Philip Remy, the blacksmith, and he was a papa of whom anyone in the world would be proud. Thank you for listening. 